We're talking with Congressman Adam Schiff. He came to Grass Valley to visit us. Uh, you're actually running for senator now. Yes. Why in the world, after all these years of public service, would you want to put yourself through six more years of this? Well, I'll tell you, given the state of the House right now, the Senate looks pretty damn good. Uh, but it really it gives you an opportunity uh, to, I think, do things on a bigger scale. And California has some dire challenges uh, with homelessness, with the high cost of housing, uh, with fire, with flood, with lack of insurance. Um, and the Senate will give me a chance to uh, really meet those needs in a more profound way. Uh, so I'm excited about the chance to serve. A campaign has been going uh, phenomenally well. Uh, we have the support of uh, almost 250 elected officials up and down the state. Uh, and I'm, I'm just really enjoying the campaign. It, it's so uh, interesting to visit other parts of the state where I've spent less time and learn about the unique issues that people are facing. And, you know, I ask the same question everywhere I go, which is, how can I help? How can you get somebody that will not listen to common sense or facts, listen to common sense or facts? How can we change that? Uh, you know, um, it's not the same with everyone. Uh, I think you have to start a non-confrontational way um, and look for the common ground, look for what people have in common. And, uh, and what we have in common is so profound. Uh, and I think when people get beyond sort of the, the stereotypes, um, you can have good conversations with people and you can find things you can work on together. Uh, there are members of Congress, for example, uh, in which I've had big public disputes, but privately we're able to rope our sleeves and get things done. And, you know, for example, for all of the public feuding that uh, I did with Devin Nunes, um, we got the annual work of the Intelligence Committee done when he was the chairman and when I was the chairman. Uh, we just decided we were going to compartmentalize our differences and focus on the things that, that we could do together. And um, I've had great partnerships with very conservative Republicans, uh, to build things in California, like mass transit, uh, to bring resources back to California, and you just have to look for those areas of common ground. When Joe Biden was finally made president, I, I got one of my friends on the phone, and we talked for half an hour on the radio. He's a very hardcore Republican, but he grew up with Waylon Jennings. Willie Nelson is his best friend. And, and we talked about how we love each other, we always care about each other, and treat each other with respect but we're on totally opposite sides. At the end of the conversation, he said, as long as we don't talk politics. And I said, I think that's the problem. If we can't talk politics, who can? Yeah. Uh, it has become increasingly difficult um, to talk politics even with your neighbor, even with your own family. Um, but if we can't, who can? Oh, you're right. I mean, we have to, we have to find a way to break through. Uh, and I think the only way we're going to move ahead and get beyond this period of incredible division is one-on-one, -on -one, uh, is at the level of individual conversations. It's not going to happen through, you know, the, the cable news media, that's for sure. Um, so we've got to find a way to, to be able to converse with our neighbors again and find that common ground, even that political common ground. Uh, you know, what, I, what I've been impressed with when I've gone to rural areas in the state is, uh, you know, people who know me from TV, they have one sort of expectation. But when I sit down with them uh, and we start talking about, hey, what are we going to do about that hospital that just closed? It's not a Democratic issue. It's not a Republican issue. But it is a policy issue. We can't, you know, continue to have these horrible reimbursement rates 
under Medicare, federal reimbursement rates, or hospitals are going to continue closing down. And, you know, when I talk to people about health care, or I talk to people about what do we do to improve the quality of drinking water or address air quality, or how do we make sure your house doesn't burn down, um, when you focus on those things, party just doesn't seem to matter that much. And, uh, and so, you know, uh, there, there's lots of things that we can work on and have to work on together. Earlier today, I think your office introduced a bill to help uh, pet owners during emergencies. Can you talk to that? I, you know, I'm a real pet lover. Uh, our fa- whole family is. Um, and the idea that if there were a fire uh, and you're told to evacuate, you have to leave your pet behind because there's no, no uh, infrastructure to take care of that pet, either with the shelter you go to or otherwise, uh, I would never want to make that decision. Uh, so the legislation I introduced helps to create uh, mobile units that can accommodate pets. It helps to provide the resources so that shelters can um, incorporate facilities that will be pet-friendly so people don't need to be separated from their pets, or if they are, they know that their pet will be well taken care of until they're back to safety. That's one of the bigger problems here. We have a special uh, group that came together at the fairgrounds here just to set up to help people with their pets because that's why they won't evacuate, as you well know. If I can't take my dogs or my cats with me, I'm not leaving. Well, you know, we pet owners, uh, and I, I'm desperate to be a dog owner again. We lost our German Shepherd a couple of years ago. Uh, know what a member of the family they are. And, uh, uh, and you know, we would not want to leave a member of the family behind, and we don't want to leave our pet behind. Uh, they, they make such a difference in our lives. And so I think this is really meaningful to people, uh, and, and I hope we can get this passed. In the last four years, in the last two years especially, some people would say you've been very heroic in your actions and, and standing up for our democracy. Where do you get the inner strength for something like that? I think uh, from my parents. Um, my father's 95. My mother's gone now. But uh, my parents raised their two sons to have a strong sense of themselves, um, to have a commitment to leave the place better than you inherited it, um, and, and a real service ethic, um, and have a tough skin. We had the same father, it seems. <laughs> yes, well, then, then we've both been lucky. My father refused to shake hands with Charles Lindbergh when he was the radio operator on the China Clipper. Is a lot right? of people said he was a son of a bitch. I said, that's where I get mine from. <laughs> well, and I think my that, father likes to say, what's the point of being a shift if you can't be stubborn? <laughs> yeah. Is your father still with us? He is. He is. He's 95 and going strong and uh, as uh, tenacious and occasionally ornery as ever. Do you guys argue politics? Um, you know, not really. He's, you know, pretty well on the Democratic side of the aisle. My mother was a lifelong Republican. Uh, my grandfather was a Republican county chair. And I don't think I ever heard, heard him use the word Democrat. Uh, but I often heard him use the expression, those damn Dems. Um, and, but it was never acrimonious in our family when we talked politics. Uh, and, uh, and I think my mother, in the latter part of her life, felt the Republican Party had kind of moved away from her. Um, it, it just had become too extreme. Um, and she hasn't seen it like it is today. My my grandfather, who was the Republican county chair, wouldn't recognize the party today. Um, and I look forward to the day when the party returns to being a party that has a home for people like Liz Cheney and Adam Kinzinger, um, that is home for people who are conservative. 
um, and, but not devoted to, uh, to a personality. So one last question. When you're driving in the car, do you listen to the radio? And if so, what do you listen to? Um, I do listen to the radio and I listen to music. Um, indeed, sometimes my wife and I um, argue about this because she likes the silence. And I love to hear music. And I listen to a very diverse group of music. Um, Can you give us some I, names? Uh, you know, I kind of go through phases. Uh, I listen to a lot of rock and roll, but I also... Uh, listen to some jazz, and I uh, real stuff. Miles or um, some of the real stuff, yeah. uh, some of the more modern stuff. Uh, I've gotten into Brad Meldahl, who's a jazz pianist uh, lately. But uh, um, but I like some of the old classics as well. I love, for example, Maynard Ferguson, who mm-hmm. was a great uh, trumpeter. And if you haven't uh, listened to uh, MacArthur Park, sure. as played by Maynard Ferguson, you haven't heard a great trumpet. Well, of course, if you heard Wint Marsalis, you've heard the greatest of all time. But, um, but yeah, so I, I have eclectic uh, tastes um, in terms of rock and roll. I listen to a lot of the rock that I grew up with in the '70s, but I also I like uh, Kings of Leon. I like Dave Matthews. I like Steely Dan. I What's like the Dan last Joe. concert you went to? The last concert. I went to, I believe, was The Who. Um, and the last concert before that, I think, was Steely Dan. So it's been a while. Um, you know, I actually went to hear The Who only a few years ago. Um, Roger Daltrey uh, was sounding a little thin, uh, but uh, uh, and, I, and I saw Steely Dan re- fairly recently as well. So, um, But uh, I'm dying to go to one of the Billy Joel concerts at Madison Square Garden because he's bringing them to an end. Right. And I'd love to see him in his hometown. I think that'd be really fun. We've been talking with Congressman Adam Schiff. Thank you for your time. It's a pleasure. Thank you.